Good morning, Bay Area Church. It is another wonderful Sunday morning. Uh, I have the date right this week. It's actually going to be the 2nd of August. I uh, forgot to update that template last week. Um, but we're going to be starting our worship here shortly. Before we do, we've got some anno announcements to go through. Uh, first and foremost, in the good news category, uh, there are no new cases of COVID in the congregation that we know of. Uh, and all those that, that we've reported as having it uh, seem to be either recovering or not getting worse. So that's a, that's a good place to start off on. We hope you'll continue to keep those people in your prayers. Uh, in other news, the mission work that's being done in Venezuela by Bernabella Vilma is going well considering the really strict quarantine they're under down there. They're still feeding and, and having the ability to bring together and provide food for over 55 families with the extra funds that we've been sending them. So their work, even though it's a little stepped up in, in level of difficulty, is still going on and is still very important to the community there. Help needed. We've got some areas where we need some help. The team three that feed the homeless on each third Saturday need three new volunteer members. Uh, I know that Tim's mentioned this on Wednesday. We mentioned it last week. If, if you have the ability, the time to come down and help out on Saturdays, uh, the people in charge of that ministry are really in need of that. Uh, if, if you can step up to, that, to the plate on that, please contact Dwayne Peterson, George Barlow, or Ed Jean-Pierre uh, to get some more information on that, but we do have a need there. The Siwa Mission Team in Northern India is working to help Jonah Singh in his health care. He is, of course, uh, Beulah's brother, and he helps with the mission work there, very important work that's taken place. It is supported entirely of donations, so if you want to help them financially, uh, please contact the office to learn how to do so. Uh, but certainly we are trying to help out with some health needs there and some things that are happening there that we should also be prayerful of. Um, on the topic of being prayerful, we've got our prayer list here this morning. Our brother David Harkins remains intubated at St. Joseph's ICU. Uh, he's doing very poorly right now. We, we ask you all keep him in your, in your prayers um, and help him in his situation that God can act in a powerful way. Uh, both of Rodline's parents, Roger and Amy, are both seriously ill, so we want to remember to keep them on our prayers as well. Uh, Jan Sweeney's sons, who, who are both dealing with cancer, are, uh, are certainly uh, need to be located on our, on our prayer list as well, and we need to be taking them before the Father. Others who have health concerns, please see the church email. Uh, we, there are too many really to list uh, of, of the prayer, uh, prayer requests going on right now and the time that we have. So please take time to check out the church email that comes out. If you're not on that list, reach out to George Klein. You can certainly join Vital Concern as well to try to make sure that you're staying up to date on this. Uh, we definitely want to be prayerful and mindful of those who are in need of help and in need of prayers at this time. And then some reminders. Uh, the college group has a Zoom Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Uh, please check the church email or the website for the ID and the password to join that. So if you're uh, in college or going into college, please, uh, you may not have been aware that that was taking place. Feel free to join in or go and sign up for a class at USF and then you can join in. I don't know. Um, but that's going to be taking place. The youth group has Bible class today at noon. So right after worship, grab some lunch and then hop on Zoom. Um, and also at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, they meet. So if you're in the youth group and haven't been taking advantage of that, Robbie's putting together some really great stuff for you. Uh, and on Faith Lane, you guys will be excited to hear that there is going to be a Zoom pajama party this week, Thursday night at 7. Uh, be looking uh, for your emails and be looking for the Facebook page for more info on that theme for the night. But that'll be a fun event for you guys to take part in. And uh, can't wait to see 
some of the crazy pajamas you guys can come up with. Uh, if you're watching this at home, and you are, if you're watching this uh, on your device or on Facebook, take a minute to share. Uh, just click on the share button, put this on your Facebook page. Let's see if we can't uh, virtually invite some of our friends and neighbors across, the, uh, across our networks to join in with us with worship this morning. Um, with that said, we are going to go ahead and start shifting our minds and thoughts into our worship period. We're going to have uh, communion here shortly. We're going to have Tim bring us a lesson. Uh, we're going to have our singers go ahead and come on down. And then um, as they get prepared this morning, our brother Travis is going to lead us in an opening word of prayer. So let's join and get ready to worship God. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us for this chance to uh, once again be together uh, the best way that we can, which we thank you. We are thankful for this, uh, this technology that allows us to do this and to uh, still communicate with one another, still, still be able to sing songs of praise to you and hear a lesson from your word and, um, and just enjoy seeing the comments and just enjoy... Uh, trying to stay connected the best way that we can. We pray that this time will be short, that very soon this, this uh, virus will go away and that we'll be able to once again be together. But uh, until that time, I pray that we'll look for every opportunity to uh, spread your word among those we are able to, to communicate with in whatever way that we can. And we pray that you'll guide our minds this morning, guide our hearts, uh, help us to, to truly sing songs of praise to you. We pray that that, that sound will be pleasing to you. And just uh, thank you again for, for, all, for loving us and for all that you do for us every day. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Travis. Uh, this is Keith. And Dave, who you're used to seeing, is out of town. So uh, we're going to be, he asked us to, to fill in and lead some songs this morning. And uh, Thankfully, we have some familiar faces and voices uh, that, are, that you see every week to, to join us. And the goal here is not to uh, put on a show for you. The goal is that, and our hope is that each one of you is singing wherever you are along with us, in your living room, your kitchen, your car, wherever you are. And uh, these first couple songs are about uh, just the joy that we receive and that we give when we praise God and when we sing songs of praise to him. So I hope that you'll all join in with us. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad and he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, oh, he has made me glad. 
I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. <clears throat> there is an endless song echoes in my soul. I hear the I am holding on, and to the rock I cling. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your King, and it makes my heart want to sing. I will lift my eyes in the darkest night, for I know my Savior lives. And I will walk with you, knowing you'll see me through, and sing keep from singing your praise how can i never say enough how amazing is your love how can i keep from shouting your name i know i am loved by the king and it makes my heart how can i keep from singing your praise. How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King, and it makes my heart. I am loved by the King, and it makes I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst ransom me and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I 
bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought for me? After this next song, uh, Manny will uh, guide our minds in uh, the Lord's Supper. <coughs> we saw thee not when thou didst come to this poor world of sin and death, nor yet beheld thy cottage home in that despised in Nazareth. But we believe thy footsteps trod in streets and plains, thou Son of God. But we believe thy footsteps trod in streets and plains, thou Son of God. We saw thee not when lifted high amid that wild and savage crew, nor heard we that imploring cry, forgive they know not what they do. But we believe the deed was done that shook the earth and veiled the sun, but we believe the deed was done that shook the earth and veiled the sun. We gaze not in the open tomb where once thy mangled body lay, nor saw thee in that upper room, nor met thee on the open way. But we believe that angel said, why seek the living with the dead? But we believe that angel said, why seek the living with the dead? We walk not with the chosen few who saw thee from the earth ascend, who raised to heaven their wandering view, then low to earth all prostrate then. But we believe that human eyes beheld that journey to the skies, but we believe that human eyes beheld that journey to the skies. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Why are we here partaking of this communion? Or better still, if a non-believer were to ask me that question, I will take him to the book of John, chapter 15, and begin in verses 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, 
you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And in verse 14, if you are my friends, if you are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. And I would caveat that with verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's how I will answer him or her. Pray with me. Great God, thank you for being the one and true and only God. We thank you for the gift of your grace, your mercy, for salvation, and for eternal life. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, for without him we cannot come to you, Lord. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we come to the time where we think about how we were blessed and we want to give back that portion which we were blessed with. In Malachi, verse 10 reads, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Let's pray. Great God, we thank you so much for everything that you've given us, Heavenly Father, for our health, for our homes, for everything that we own belongs to you, and we just say thank you. And we give back to you, Heavenly Father, that which what you blessed us with. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Had to include this next song. This is one that is always my daughter Lucy, her pick. And actually, a lot of the uh, the kids back in Faith Lane often request this one. So step by step. <clears throat>
I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. And step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. And I will follow you all of my days, and I will follow you all of my days. And step by step you'll lead me. And I will follow you all of my days. Be to our God forever and ever. 
strong in purpose and in unity, declaring aloud praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength. song before uh, Tim comes and brings us to lesson. <laughs> Open my heart. Open my heart to what you know so I can stretch so I can grow my feeling souls me too Open my heart to what you know. Open my eyes to what you see. To understand what I should be. My feelings get the best of me. Open my eyes to what you Open my ears to what you hear, so I can keep you very near. My feelings make it so unclear. Open my ears to what you hear. Open my heart you know, so I can stretch, so I can grow. My feeling soft me to and fro. Open my heart to what you Hey, good morning. Glad that you are with us this morning, even virtually. It is good to be together this morning. Hope that you are having a blessed uh, Sunday morning as we worship God together. I, uh, 
I heard a story about Margaret Thatcher, the former Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. She used to like to tell about a time that she went to a nursing home for a visit, kind of a photo op, really, for the residents there. And she was walking up and down the halls of this nursing home, greeting each of the residents, and she noticed a very elderly woman sitting uh, by herself in front of a room, and the Prime Minister went up to her and greeted her and spoke to her a little bit, and uh, the Prime Minister realized this woman had no idea who she was. She had no idea that this, she was talking to a world leader. And so Margaret Thatcher bent down and she said, Ma'am, do you know who I am? And this elderly woman took her hand and patted it and said, No, sweetie, I'm sorry, I don't. But if I were you, I'd ask the nurse. She usually knows. <laughs> See, there's, there's a woman who didn't realize that she was talking to somebody pretty important. I want you to hold that thought for a few minutes. We are in uh, the third week of this series that I am calling Aha Moments. And we are talking about, uh, thinking about times in our lives when either we are confronted with a brand new truth, something that we didn't know before, something that we'd never realized, or maybe we're just reminded of a truth that for some reason we've set aside or just chose to ignore, but, but we're reminded of it, we're confronted with it, and then a decision has to be made. What are we going to do with this truth? What are we going to do with this reality? You know, we all have aha moments. Even people who aren't religious have aha moments. And I keep mentioning that one of the reasons that Jesus came to the earth was to present God the Father in such a way that was unmissable and undeniable. Uh, present God in a way that we couldn't be deceived into kind of retreating back into our own perception of who God is. And, and all throughout Jesus' ministry, he keeps having conversations with men and with women where he defines or at least he clarifies who the Father is and what the Father's will is. And then these individuals have to make a decision, what am I going to do with that information? What am I going to do with that truth? And of course, what we keep coming back to is, what about us? You know, what are we going to do with the truth about God? And what are we going to do with the truth about Jesus? With the truth about God's Word and God's will? We have been using as an anchor text in this series a statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, uh, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold, abide, hang out, stay, dwell, whatever word you want to use, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And when you think about it, that's really quite a statement that Jesus makes. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This morning, I, I want to take a look at an aha moment that a, a gentleman has that I think most of us, in some ways at least, can relate to. And I'm going to tell you right up front that the origin of this sermon uh, really came from a blog that I read years ago. I read it, I liked it, I saved it. Um, but it made me look at this passage really different than I ever had before. And uh, maybe it'll challenge you as well. 
This morning we're going to lean into and listen in to a conversation that Jesus has with a man, an interaction that he has in John chapter 9. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. Uh, we're going to stay there the rest of the day. Uh, but in this passage, uh, it's going to be an individual who, who's going to wrestle with uh, sort of this truth that he is understanding. And the truth that he understands is you don't have to understand everything to believe in something. Now, that statement might bother some of you. I don't know. But I'm going to stand by it. You don't have to understand everything to believe in something. You don't have to have all of your questions answered in order to believe in something. And I think that's, I think that's a lie that a lot of people kind of buy into. I think that's why a lot of people sort of push back against Christianity. Because they say, well, I've got questions. And I've got some concerns. And I haven't been able to have satisfactory answers to my questions just yet. So, until I can understand everything perfectly, until I can get it all figured out, I'm not going to believe. Until I just have all of my questions explained, I'm not going to believe. Now, this morning, again, we're going to meet a man who comes to the conclusion, no, you don't have to understand everything perfectly in order to believe in something. And you don't have to understand everything to put your faith in someone. So, John chapter 9. John is actually going to devote an entire chapter to this story. And it's a story that in a lot of ways I can't relate to at all. <laughs> but in another way, I relate to it pretty well. Because... I have some of the same struggles that some of the people in this interaction have. Maybe you do too. Uh, in this interaction, this fellow's going to discover that there's some things that happen to him that are completely unexplainable. But he's also going to realize there's some things that happen to him that are completely undeniable. Let's go ahead and get to the passage. John chapter 9. It is such a great passage. It is such a powerful story. I could just read it and sit down. But don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I'm not exactly going to do that. But we are going to read through it a little bit at a time. Matt's going to have most of the passages. I think all the, the, the references on the screen. But I would really encourage you to grab a Bible, you know, get, your, get your app, whatever you have, and follow along with us. John chapter 9. We're going to begin the verse, uh, first verse. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Okay, already there's a misconception about God. Already there's confusion about who God is and how God acts. The disciples just automatically assume someone sinned to make this man blind from birth. Their question isn't, was sin involved in this situation? They just made the assumption, okay, someone sinned. His being blind is a result of someone's sin Got a question for you, Rabbi. Was it his sin? Or was it his parents' sin? They're really confused about God. So Jesus is going to share some truth with them. Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And I've got to be thinking, 
that Jesus' disciples were standing around looking at each other like, what? What did he just say? Did you, did you get what he just said? Because I didn't get what he just said. I thought we were talking about the blind guy. Now he's talking about day and night and light and work. And you know, I'm not sure that the disciples understood what Jesus said in that context. But what Jesus is going to do is certainly going to confirm his meaning. Verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. This man is the recipient of this incredible miracle. Jesus performs a miracle. He spits in the dirt. He makes some mud. He puts it on this man's eyes. He tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And John tells us, he came home seeing. Think about this. This guy hadn't seen Jesus yet. He hasn't seen Jesus. You know, he was blind when he left. And he did what Jesus said, and he, he received his sight. He doesn't even know what Jesus looks like. Um, so that's the miracle. It's the miracle. The miracle is amazing. The miracle is over. But the story is far from over. In fact, the story is really just about ready to get good. Verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging said, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Very strange reaction by his neighbors and friends and people who were familiar with him. Now, this miracle happens. He's healed. He can see. But an argument ensues. Now, isn't this the same guy? No, it's not. I think, no, it is. Yes, it isn't. No, no. I'm pretty sure it is. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. And he's like, I am. I am that man. I can see. His neighbors start arguing about whether that's the guy or not, and they're arguing because they don't understand how a blind man can see. Verse 10. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. They want information. They want some, some, some questions answered. How then were your eyes opened? And this guy's got to be thinking, who cares? Who cares how my eyes were opened? Let's celebrate. I've been begging all of my life. I haven't been able to see a thing all of my life, and now I can see. Let's have a party. Someone be excited for me. Where's the celebration? But they want an explanation. Verse 11, he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. But who cares? <laughs> I don't care. I was blind, but now I'm not blind anymore. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how he did it. I don't know why he made mud. I don't know why I had to go wash in that particular place. I don't know. I don't care. I was blind, but now I'm not blind anymore. This is great. Verse 12. Where is this man? They asked him. What? I don't know. 
Who cares? Who cares where he is? I've been sitting on that corner all of my life begging because I can't do anything else because I was blind. But now I'm not blind. And all you want to know is how, 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 how. And then he makes the statement that this whole thing sort of hinges on for me. I don't know, he said. I don't know where he is. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he came from. Then verse 13. This poor guy, this is, this is so tragic on so many levels. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And John's going to put that in there for a reason. And that doesn't sound good, does it? Jesus, what are you thinking healing this man on the Sabbath? You should have known better than to heal a man on the Sabbath. Verse 15, Therefore the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight, uh, this poor guy again, He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. I washed and now I see. Can we go celebrate now? Because I feel like we should be celebrating now. Verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Okay, we kind of gloss over that statement, but that's actually the point of this story, I think, where it gets a little bit dicey for us. This man is not from God, but he does not keep the Sabbath. Let me rephrase that statement for you. This man is not from God because he doesn't do what we think God should do. This man is not from God because he doesn't do and he doesn't act the way we think God should act. We have God completely under control. We've got God completely figured out. God would never heal anyone on the Sabbath. And since you were healed on the Sabbath, since God didn't respond and act just like we know He does, he can't be from God. You know, you read that statement from the Pharisees and you think, wow, what a bunch of narrow-minded, egotistical, arrogant people to assume that they knew God so well that they knew what God would do, wouldn't do, could do, couldn't do, that they were just sure God would never go beyond what we think God can do didn't make sense to them. They couldn't explain it. So they didn't believe it. But others asked. Here we go again. There you guys got questions. How could a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. You know, you're saying he can't be from God because he healed a blind man on the Sabbath. But let's not bury the lead here. <laughs> he healed a blind man on the Sabbath. We need some explanation about this. We got some questions about this. Somebody needs to, to shed some light on this situation. Meanwhile, the guys there are like, I don't care. I don't care what day it was. I don't care that it was the Sabbath. I can see. I've been blind all my life. But now I can see. Somebody be happy with me just for a minute, please. Verse 17. 
Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Now, we can't figure him out. We're divided. You were with him. It was your eyes. What do you say about him? And I wonder how this guy responded. I know what he said. I wonder how he said it. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. You know, they're asking, who do you think he is? Um, he's a prophet? <laughs> I don't know how he said it. He's a prophet. I don't know. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure who he is. And frankly, I don't care who he is. Because I was blind, and now I can see. I can't explain who he is. I can't explain what he did. I don't know why putting the mud on my eyes did anything different. I don't know all the rules about keeping the Sabbath. All I know is I was blind, and I'm not blind anymore. I can see. Verse 18. The Jews still did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Again, listen. I'm telling you, this is where we live. I can't explain it. And since I can't explain it, and since I have never seen God act that way before, and, and since I have never imagined God doing something like that before, since it doesn't fit into my perception of what God is, what God will do, how God will act, since it goes beyond anything I've ever imagined God doing before, since I can't explain it, I'm not going to believe it. See, my belief is based on my complete understanding of who God is. My belief is not based on what is undeniably true. So they call in his parents. Verse 19. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We want an explanation. We want some questions answered. And his parents are very cautious in their response. Verse 20. We know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. And I've got to be thinking again. These parents are imagining, are thinking like any parents in the history of parenthood would. And frankly, we don't care. Our son has been blind all of his life. Do you know how hurtful that's been to us, let alone him? Do you know how much it hurts us as parents to have watched our child not be able to play with other little boys and girls? He's never seen a sunset. He's never stood at the ocean. Our hearts have been broken his entire life. He was blind. But now, our son, our boy, he can see. Why are you questioning us? Why are you so focused on the unexplainable? Why don't we just celebrate the undeniable? But of course, his parents don't say any of those things. Instead, uh, here's what they say. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already, the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. 
Now, before you get too critical uh, towards this fellow's parents, you need to understand that that phrase, put out of the synagogue, was a pretty significant threat. To be put out of the synagogue would have meant that for those parents, their life as they knew it would be over. They would, they would be completely ostracized and cut off from life as they knew it. So this threat that was made to the parents, it's, it's, it's a legitimate threat. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. How do you know this man is a sinner? We know this man is a sinner because we know God. And we know what God's like. And again, we know what God will do, won't do, could do, couldn't do. We know where God will go and where God won't go. We know on what days God will heal. And it's not this guy. This guy's a sinner. And I love verse 25. Verse 25 is sort of the aha moment in this whole aha experience. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, here it is again, I don't know. One thing I do know, a whole lot of things about this day, a whole lot of things about this man, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. There is so much I can't tell you. You're asking me questions. You're asking me pretty hard questions. I don't know the answer to those questions. I don't know everything about this guy. I don't know everything about the laws of the Sabbath. But what I do know, what I am absolutely sure of, counterbalances everything that I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. And it doesn't really matter to me who he is. And it doesn't really matter to me where he came from. And it doesn't really matter to me that kneading together mud is a lot like kneading together uh, flour, and it's, it's, a, it's a work. It doesn't matter that he might have been in a violation of the Sabbath. Quit asking me all these things. I don't know. I don't know. And to be quite honest, I really don't care. What is undeniably true is enough for me to believe that this man is from God. Verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Again, they are so hung up on the unexplainable. He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Which was probably the wrong thing to say to that group of guys. Verse 28. Then they hurled insults at him. Again, this poor guy. You know, people were nicer to him when he was a blind beggar than he, they are now that he has a sight. But they can't control the situation. And so they're going to do everything they can, they can do to discount what is undeniably true. They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he came from. And since we don't know, and since we can't explain it, it must not be true. Since it goes beyond what we believe could possibly happen, and we are the keepers of truth, and we've got God completely figured out, and since it doesn't fit into our equation, it can't be true. Verse 30. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. 
you don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You know, I'm not a teacher of the law, I'm not you guys, but uh, verse 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. No party. No celebration. No excitement. No joy. For the very first time in his life, this man could see. But because it was unexplainable. Yes, it was undeniable. But because it was unexplainable, they were going to focus on the unexplainable and they were going to completely ignore the undeniable. Well, Jesus finds out that this man was thrown out. Jesus goes looking for him. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Don't you want an explanation? Nope. Don't you want to know where he comes from? Nope. Don't you want me to tell you about the rules of the Sabbath? Nope. 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 I don't care anything about that. See, I used to be blind, but now I'm not blind anymore, and you're the guy who made that happen. So you tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You tell me where to go, and I'll go. You tell me who to believe in, I'll believe in. I was blind, but now I can see. You want me to believe in the Son of Man? Just tell me where He is. Tell me who He is. I'll believe in the Son of Man if you want me to, because you're the guy who gave me sight. That's all I need. I don't need evidence. I don't need any more explanation. I was blind. Now I see. Who is He, sir? The man asked. Tell me so I may believe in Him. Jesus said, You have now, and this is such a powerful word for this man, you have now seen Him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And then notice this man's response. Lord, would you please explain to me why you put mud in my eyes? Why didn't you just heal me right on the spot? Would you please explain to me why I had to go to that pool, the pool of Siloam, that place to wash my eyes? I'm still a little bit confused about the whole Sabbath thing. Would you shed some light on, you know, the rules of the Sabbath and, you know, just, you know, traditions and all those things? No. It's not how this man responded at all. He responded immediately and he responded definitely. Verse 38, the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Yeah, there's some things that I don't understand. And there are some things that I can't explain. But listen, there are some things that I can't deny. I was blind, but now I see. Got a lot of questions. Got a lot of questions that I can't answer. But there's something that happened that I can't deny. I believe. And he worshipped him. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we have bought into this... Uh, teaching or this concept that we've got to understand everything. I mean, we're followers of God, right? We're readers of the book, right? 
So we can't possibly entertain any doubts. We have to have an answer for everything because we know God and we know what God is like and we know what God will do and won't do and what God could do and couldn't do. We've got God figured out. So there's no room for questions. There's no room for doubt. There's no room where we kind of, kind of wrestle with some things. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, and I'll be the first to admit it, I got all kind of doubts. I got all kind of things that, that I can't really explain about God and about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. I got lots of questions that I struggle with. There, there are a lot of passages that I really wrestle with. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on, and I'm not exactly sure what it means. Yeah, I got doubts. You do too, I'm sure. But here's what I've discovered about myself. My doubts seem to increase when I'm thinking God's not acting like I want God to act. I become more doubtful. I start questioning God when He doesn't start doing what I want Him to do. He's not hearing my pleas. He's not answering my prayers. And I can't understand why. And I start to doubt uh, about God and His will. When God is unexplainable to me, I start to doubt more. And in all truth, what I'm doing is, you know, when, what I'm really saying is, when God doesn't act like I would act if I were God, my level of doubt increases. But here's something else I've discovered. When I shift my focus from the unexplainable to the undeniable, my faith soars. When I start focusing and thinking about all the things that I know are true and all the things that have been proven to me through Scripture and through experience over and over again, my faith just explodes. Even in the face of unanswered questions. All the, the mysteries of this great, awesome God who kind of won't fit in my little bitty, teeny, tiny box. So I've got to remind myself to keep focusing on the undeniable. Well, well what's undeniable? Well, we're here. Well, I'm alive. I can choose to believe that something came from nothing, that I just happened, but that certainly doesn't make any sense to me. It is undeniable to me when I look around that someone, some power created everything, including me. To me, that's undeniable. For me, what's undeniable is there's a guy named Jesus who walked this earth about 2,000 years ago. He performed miracles. He turned water to wine. He walked on the water. He gave sight to the blind. He had amazing teaching. He taught hope, he taught life, he taught love. He had a focus that was far beyond this life. One day they hung him on a cross. He was crucified on a Roman cross, put in a grave. Three days later, God brought him back to life. He ascended back into heaven to be with the Father. One day, he's coming back. And if I hold to his teaching, I'm his disciple. And I'll know the truth. 
and the truth will set me free. To me, that's undeniable. Now, you might argue with me, and people might argue with me on those undeniables, but here's one last thing that I want to share with you that, for me, is absolutely undeniable, and you can't convince me otherwise. Jesus changed my life. It is undeniable. When I look back through my history, Jesus changed my life. It is an undeniable truth. Now, I mentioned before in one of my classes that one of the neat things about this live stream thing is I have sort of reconnected with people that I haven't spoken to, haven't connected with in 30 or 40 years. You know, friends from high school and friends from college. And usually the conversation starts with, I can't believe you're a preacher. Like, yeah, thank God for grace and second chances. But it's Jesus. Jesus changed my life. And what I'm discovering as my faith grows and as my knowledge grows, a lot of those questions that I so struggled with and a lot of those things that just were, were really, you know, um, unanswered to me, God's given me eyes to see. And a lot of those questions that I used to have, uh, now that I understand a little bit better. But still, I'm still convinced. I don't have to understand everything to believe in something. And I don't have to understand everything to put my faith in someone. Yeah, there are some things that are unexplainable to me. But there are also some things that are undeniably true. Let's close with a prayer. Father, you know where each of us stands. You know where each of us struggles. You know our questions. You know our doubts. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. For all the ways that you've taken our broken lives and have healed us and transformed us. Thank you for giving us so much that is undeniable. So much that it allows us to live with the unexplainable. Father, we understand that your ways are so much higher than our ways. We understand that the secret things belong to you. Grant us the faith to believe and the faith to live our lives with the assurance that you know what you're doing. That you loved us enough to send your son. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thanks again for being with us. Uh, our singers are going to come back up and lead us in one last song as we close. These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert Crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. And the trumpet calls, so lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. 
These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as wide in your world, and we are the Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, and the trumpet calls, so lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, and the trumpet calls, so lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes.